everything's here. We've got tremendous land. Uh, the weather's ideal. Uh, the labor is, is, uh, labor is uh, abundant and very willing to work. No, it's, it's very ideal here. Okay. So, <coughs> listen, today we thought that we would um, maybe take a step back from the regular media banter and the kind of hot topics of the day, which, of course, are still election and post-election uh, holabaloo, and um, engage with something a little more structural. And we thought, why don't we take the opportunity to pursue our second edition of the Scam Hall of Fame? The uh, particular incident that struck our attention this time relates to the time that Nigeria, or at least one state in Nigeria, actually a few other states, but um, in particular, we're looking at Kwara State, decided to import some white Zimbabwean farmers as some sort of effort at um, encouraging uh, large-scale commercial agriculture. Taming the Wild West of West Africa. When Graham Hattie was forced from his farm in Zimbabwe four years ago, he quickly took up a local governor's invitation to set up a commercial farm here in Nigeria. At 69, he had planned to retire, but instead, he's now bringing in the new harvest. I've, I've been a commercial farmer all my life since I left college in 1959, and that's all I know. And, and just to be given this opportunity was, for me, at my age, far too... You know, I just mustn't give it up. I must just grab this opportunity and make the most of it. And Graham is not alone. In total, 15 farmers have come here to Kwara State. So we're exploring the issue of the white Zimbabwean farmers in Nigeria, why they came, what they met when they came here, and um, how that issue has evolved since then, pretty much. Um, and, you know, as usual, we're thinking of it through the lens of the scam broadly conceived. So not simply a matter of legality and illegality, although that's obviously part of the question. Um, but also in terms of the nature of relationships, social relationships that um, are produced in these sorts of incidents um, and what they tell us about Nigeria uh, and Nigeria's place in the world. So, I mean, before we get into the specifics, how how do you guys react to what you know of this story so far? I mean, what I guess, okay, maybe there are two questions in there. One is, um, what made this seem like an interesting incident to explore? And what, are, what were your general impressions when you started learning more about the Zimbabwean farmers in, um, in Kwara? Would you oh, know? man. Yeah, let me just go at it before <laughs> Fabrica brings, you know, is deeper analysis into it. So my own is like, <laughs> there's no, it, it just dawned on me a bit more deeper that there's no aspect of society that this capitalistic plunder doesn't permeate. Mm. You know, like the the last uh, episode we did was about, you know, the cement amada. Now it's about agriculture and agricultural, in quotes, endeavors mm. that, you know, the state wanted to go into by importing some sort of foreign farmers and then how the thing in quotes morphed into how they were flipping money mm. some unpaid loans and then you know um community conflict and all that you know it just shows us that there's a trail of exploitation there's a trail of societal imbalance and then 
there is a trail of you know um people losing out at the end of the day when private interests go into a place right roughshod and do whatever it is they feel they can do or they want to do and then just leave without any consequences you know so mm-hmm. and that's always been the the history of you know our dealings with capital as a relatively weak country you know in the face of you know maybe multinationals and imperialism as a you know in general so this aspect is focusing on agriculture and once again the people getting the short end of the stick and you having to clean up the mess that capital has put up you know in that certain mm. state which is quara anyway you know so that's a brief mm. summary on how i you know um digested the the scam <laughs> mm. yeah Mecca. um i mean for me it's i don't know it's uh I think just reading about it now, uh, say what, 20 years, two decades after the, the fact, mm-hmm. you know, just, it just cast my mind back to that period in, in, in time, you know, um, mm. and I think I, I can get, even though faint, you know, some memories of newspaper articles, you know, the whole buzz around it, mm-hmm. you know, um, stronger farms it was at the time, you know, mm-hmm. white Zimbabwe coming in. It, 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 it kind of even elevated, you know, the governor of Kwara State, who, Saraki at that time, to some um, quote unquote, really progressive governor. Mm-hmm. You know, people wanted to know what's, what's happening in Kwara, you know. And I remember that. You know, some years afterwards, I had the opportunity to visit Para for a week. Mm. And yeah, so even though I went to some other local government outside Ilonria, I think, I, I also tried to get to, I wanted to go see the thing for myself, you know, but if somehow it didn't work either for time, maybe because of distance, you know, I should ask around, mm. you know, and I think. That was the first time I got, even though I, I don't remember exactly what the responses were anymore. Because I'm now I'm speaking maybe either 216 or 218. I'm not sure when it was that I was in Quara. But, you know, I, I was there to get the vibe that, okay, this thing might not even be, um, um, I mean, people that aren't actually as caught, you know, the indigents now, you know, people who lived in the state, you know, yeah. they weren't quite as, as excited as you know you'd expect <laughs> yeah. you know at the time i think that's the impression that i i got you know but i, I remember living where i think you know okay now you won't fly over these people get you know, right <laughs> right right and yeah. i'm just i'm just joking but yeah but i, I think you, you know <laughs> you can't mention this and not think about you know um saraki and i think what yeah. this speaks to more generally is um um, the lack of scrutiny that governors often um, you, you, they get away with, mm. you know, where a, lo- a lot of time our critique of, you know, the nation state is at the federal level. Yeah. And then, you know, at, at, at the lower rungs, we're not really asking very important questions about what, what because how, I mean, how, how you, you want to ask how something of this magnitude will have flown under the radar. Yeah, and, and I mean, nobody even really did any serious work on it, not 
until not until about seven years afterwards. Mm-hmm. And of course, because it was an academic work, it's not as popular as it, it should be, you, you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, yeah. you can trust Nigerians. Well, if Saraki is going to run for president tomorrow, this will haunt him. Well, yes, I mean, and um, I think it should for for various reasons that we'll get into in a moment. Um, but you know, to do my own impressions, I think where you ended up is is also where what struck me the most about this that it's quite a ridiculous story. Um, of yeah, of like a post-colonial state, in effect, trying to invite the offspring at least of colonizers to recolonize in some ways um the hinterland and um the fact that it's just very not very well known or there's very little in nigerian media about it um was part of what struck me the most as i was engaging with this story um but like i say we'll get into it properly um in a moment but before we do i suppose it's worth just setting out some of the you know initial I guess, dates and um, outlines of what actually happened here. Um, And I suppose we can just do that somewhat informally, right? Um, So feel free to interrupt as I'm going through some of the initial major highlights. But basically, from around 2004, some white commercial farmers that had been displaced under Zimbabwe's fast-track land reform were suddenly brought to Nkwara, which is a state in what's known as the Middle Belt in Nigeria, um, kind of in the middle of the country, but towards the southwest, to set up commercial farms. And I mean, that's kind of an ironic turn of events on the face of it, because why these guys were kicked away from Zimbabwe has a lot to do with um, the history of rural dispossession in Zimbabwe itself, right? Where... Of course, it's a country that had a white settler population um, that effectively colonized the country and held a large portion of land for a long stretch of the country's history until there was a liberation war um, that saw white rule end um, and the rise of uh, of ZANU-PF, the ruling party in Ethiopia, um, in Zimbabwe, rather. And then, you know, at the point in time... Um, in the 90s and early 2000s, actually um, kind of escalating between 2000 and 2002, um, the Mugabe government kicked in a process of what they called fast-track land reform, where the government basically encouraged a lot of its supporters um, to seize land from white farmers. Um, So something like um, 300,000 small farmers and around 30,000 commercial farmers um, received land previously owned by white commercial farmers who were kind of booted out en masse from their land, uh, or well, land that they claimed to be theirs, um, and who were, as a result, landless and um, kind of available um, for various sorts of projects, one of which was relocation to Nigeria and <laughs> um, settlement again on on um, on land in Nigeria. So, I mean, the Kwara state government um, basically sought these people out through um, a union they were part of or international association they were part of 
and as as did some other countries actually i mean uh, nigeria was not alone in this some other southern african countries mozambique and zambia being examples um pursued this policy as well but nigeria i think is the only one in west africa that went for this um and so it brought uh, the government in Kwara State brought a bunch of these people to the countryside in Kwara State and um, encouraged them to set up farms uh, and put a lot of inputs into these farms. Um, and we'll talk a little bit in a moment about the specific nature of the inputs. But one particular aspect of their arrival that I think was very interesting and, um, you know, pointed to the profound irony at the heart of this whole thing was the fact that for these farmers to set up their farms in Quara, their pre-existing communities and uh, families that were working that land, you know, in the form of subsistence agriculture, were booted out, you know, in a lot of cases. So actually thousands of Quaran farmers were dispossessed and kicked out of their own lands so that this project could be attempted. So, I mean, even just stopping there to reflect a bit, what struck you guys most about that whole process by which the white Zimbabweans were then, you know, encouraged to be brought to Nigeria? Oh, man. <laughs> to do that, in inherent in that, um, in that action, has like layers of you know um modes of thinking because for your government to import some sort of white people i call them some sort of white people because i don't know how zimbabwe <laughs> i'm going to be added, bro. Yes. so you know because of settler colonialism right, right, right. so you're people. saying they're not even um they're not yeah, i don't even know what's in their b i don't know what's in their b they're not the top whites. They're like sort they're of... not the top whites. They're just gangsters <laughs> and criminals that just came here, you know, yeah. and so, are just parasi parasitizing so, on on, so on stuff anywhere. You'll be refugee whites, you know, as they do. <laughs> the worst yeah, yeah. the worst of the worst that you you know came from America, immigrated to Australia and gone, you know, and went and then uh, exterminated people are the you mm. know bad ones. So they they are, they are well, they are here in Africa. You know, that's colonial mentality that the Nigerian leadership has, thinking that if you import something white, uh, then, you know, that'll be the solution as the golden or silver bullets. That's the one size fits all this thing. You never look inwards for your own solution. Mm. And then secondly, now you bring these people in, in you, you establish them on unfair terms. You yeah. dispossess people. You don't. You don't look to improve what you have there. You don't look to organize agriculture, the food system, the food chain. You're not doing none of that. You're just here setting up something afresh, destabilizing the community, and even probably even engaging in forms of um of forms of agriculture that might be counterproductive to the environment, you know, or that mm -hmm. just destabilizes the cultural aspect of the way we people they do things, you know, and then using state power to enshrine that. That I feel is, you know, fundamentally, um, uh, it's illegal to look at it because the state does it, doesn't make it legal, you know, yeah. Yeah, or the moral aspect, you know. So things like that, you know, has to be questioned. And then it's going to be doomed for failure because once it's established on things where no fit bond the community, then you've opened the gateway for conflict. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. that's why it would be shaky. And then that's why 
if profits now become the sole aim, then along the line, you're going to start seeing malfeasance. You're going to start seeing the yeah. things that plague the project at the end of the day. You know, so to me, I feel those two things, like the colonial mentality of leadership, importing white people. Have you looked down the, the breadth and length of Nigeria and not seen people that can help <laughs> improve your agriculture? Or, or even Ghana. Oh, As in, or like, you know, so that's the thing. We never look inwards for solutions. I'm thinking that we can graft, you know, abroad solutions into our own specific, you know, um, you know, problems. Yeah. It, it most times doesn't work. Not like we can't borrow things, but we have to look inwards to solve, you know, some of our own problems, you know. Yeah. So those two aspects, yeah, yeah you know. Emeka, what do you think? Do you, do you think it was doomed from the start? I mean, OEG seems to suggest that, like, <laughs> very, the very nature of, of the project, so, you know, that just bringing... It's conflict done day. As conflict yeah, yeah, done, yeah. no matter what you want to ask, conflict done day, the peace of mind to establish and execute them, don't flop. Man, I, you know, so that's, I, I, I think Goji is a bit, a bit harsh. Okay. <laughs> I always am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, I mean, to start off on the notes where OEG ended, there, there was mm. some sort of borrowing, you know. Um, okay. Nigeria wanted to borrow expertise or, or so they say or Saraki wanted to borrow expertise yeah. but the, the white Zimbabweans also wanted to borrow money mm. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so there's a bit of borrowing you know across across yeah. but but to, to say this more seriously I, I don't I don't know that I'm hyped as such by the fact that they were white Zimbabweans mm. um because I mean, historically, they 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 put in sweat, you know, on the ground and long enough, even in Zimbabwe, in Zimbabwe rather, uh, sure. to to earn their stripes as maybe our brothers, you know, if you if you like. Um, but on, on yeah, the most but not without thing, some dispossession and um, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I'm, com I'm coming. To, uh, I was going to get. There. I mean, that's okay, where I was okay. going to land. Okay. <laughs> you, um, <laughs> you see, the conflict has uh, already started. Uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah. for for me, um, I'll be slow to say that it was designed to fail. Right. Yeah, but of course, you know, with the way things are done in this country, it's almost always as if things are. Uh, there's no feel safe. It's almost as though things are, are almost always designed, you know, that way. But really, the the thing is that for me, um, nobody paid any mind to the to to the conditions within which these people had become successful in. Right. In, in Zimbabwe. Yes, to the extent that know, they were. Yeah, and to the extent that they were. And what transplanting them would mean mm. for our own rural communities, especially the peasant farmers, you know, because part of um, how this was sold was that um, you needed to get commercial farming going uh, so that there could be some transfer of knowledge from yeah. commercial farmers to peasant uh, Yes. The classic thing, you know, well, uh, let's move from hoe and cutlass uh, uh, you know, to tractor. But, <laughs> but I wouldn't want to sound naive. I wouldn't. So to, to say this is me giving them benefit of doubt, which isn't mm -hmm. to say that you know this could have also been factored in, and you know the the verdict would have just been you know to, to hell with them. You know, mm -hmm. after all, now money we won 
siphon, you know, to push this argue this conversation where I think OAG was going to some sort of special <laughs> special purpose vessel. SPV. <laughs> you know that yeah I had had uh, had managed to conjure. Yeah. Um but of course um once they once they once they they landed the issue started you know yeah. which was basically um dispossession of land you know from thousands of of of, of uh indigenous Quara people you know yeah. across i think 28, 28 communities in yeah. in one local yeah. government uh yeah there about about a thousand three hundred um small you know household farmers yeah where, where, where they farm their thing they go and i, I mean I, I think it was even from then that you know the scam you know if, if you like had already started because what yeah. was even uh, marked for um what do you call this thing relocation, relocation. was was the sum of maybe 77 million mm. um you know when they broke down these things, yeah, they were they were looking to get one acre from each family for about twenty thousand naira, another yeah. eleven thousand naira for some funny for Hector, funny for land preparation, for, for, yeah. yeah, for for land preparation, and then three thousand or was it four thousand for 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 seeds. Yeah, so basically whatever, peanuts. Whatever. I mean, for so, yeah, so I mean, so, so you're giving ancestral yeah, land, right? So, yeah, so you're getting you're pushing people off their land. Per hectare for three yeah. thirty-four thousand, you know, and but they also got bicycles. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we don't don't love tire. Yeah, we're no complete. Yeah, seven hundred and twenty bicycles to share amongst. Yeah, so even from even from the seventy-seven million with the mark initially, you know, when you even do the maths and see how much they spent, they hadn't even spent. Maybe forty million, maybe forty-four million. Yeah. yeah. So there were still millions that yeah. went into yeah. pockets of people. So I mean, just seeing that start in itself, you know, and then thinking about you know the humongous sums that would later, you know, be pumped into all of this, you know, project and the way it was even designed. I yeah. mean, part of how you you know it was. I think it was designed not to fail, but also <laughs> there was there was this part that. Of the design that was like okay we must have a feel safe somewhere where if it fails then we can all make money you know right. but we don't even know who made money right <laughs> no, i will come back to the question of, of who made money and, and even yeah. the specifics of, of how they settled in um mm. you know which which we're getting into now vis-a-vis -vis the dispossession but before then i mean amidst the or, or rather at the same time as all this stuff was happening, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. I wonder if you guys were struck by a certain aspect of this that, that also intrigued me, which is that, the initial media reports, both Nigerian, African, and global, around this was like, a lot of excitement. You know, like there was a lot of, um, hope, and, like, you know, basically applause that accompanied this whole thing. You know, and you see um, head, headlines or titles that, ha that read things like white Zimbabweans transforming rural Nigeria. The agricultural revolution has begun in Nigeria. Zimbabwean farmers find a new life in Nigeria. 
And then, you know, the sorts of quotes that would be bandied around were like, you know, for one for one person, for instance, Irvin Reed, who was interviewed in a um in a in a Christian a Christian science article, which we'll we'll include in the show notes, who was talking about um the situation, you know, was said we arrived to for Virgin Bush. It's been a very good experience. It's been a lot of fun. You know, we arrived to just Virgin Bush. Um, we're basically given GPS points, had to mark them out ourselves and clear the bush, find water, put down boreholes, build build the house, um, build the sheds, import the cattle. So it was right from grassroots and that's been tremendous fun. It really has. You know, so is this story of transformation, pioneering, on enterprise, you know, this kind of wild, wild west um, characterization? Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, what strikes me is like, why, why was the story so one-sided to begin with? Not only in foreign media, which you might say, okay, you can see why, but also in local media. I mean, why why all this um, aplomb without even a moment's consideration for, you know, the kind of conflictual dynamics that we're already talking about here? Uh, I want us to reflect on how the media back in the so-called mother countries would have reported the arrival of the colonizers in mm. Africa. Just let's reflect on how they would have reported that, like as mm. if they were coming to do something out of the world. You know, now that we now have some sort of ideological synergy between the ruling class on the ground yeah. that are part players of this scam and the people that are coming to come and once again teach us how to farm, Mm. after you know which, which thousands of years of which you couldn't do you know so which yeah. you couldn't do you know so they are here virgin lunch the terms that they use is like paternalistic it's as if nothing has been ha happening in you know the places that you know you're coming to you know like you're coming to do something that we've never seen or heard before and all mm. that you know so Again, it just shows that there's ideological synergy between the people that are reporting it and the people that are, you know, receiving them and spearheading the project, you know, mm -hmm. in front of the local populace or the indigenous people. You know? mm -hmm. So they try to, to stir up that sentiment like, yeah, these missionaries are here, this civilizing force are here, this agricultural juggernauts are here, you know, that kind of thing. And that's what prepares the ground mentally you know, and to the wider community to, for us to embrace them and say, yeah, okay, these people are here to do something, you know, nice or do something, you know. It's not as if it's inherently sinister, mm -hmm. but when it's not done properly, mm -hmm. when profit becomes the motive and over-commercialization means that you're going to, you know, do what you have to do, which is if it means dispossessing people, if it means chasing them off the land, if it means shortchanging them, if it means totally abandoning you know, agricultural models that work, you know, for the specificities of maybe that climate, the place you're mm. coming to do stuff like, you just sink money in and feel, not be now Green Revolution, don't they cast now? Don't be now <laughs> all these things. The thing is, don't yeah. they cast since now? You know, yeah. so what is the trail? Food is still as expensive as yeah. hell, you know, with all the money that is sunk into fertilizer scams and all, you know, Naso so Ibo and Grandma really here. You know, and no one is actually looking into solutions, homegrown solutions, or arranging and organizing the agricultural sectors, linking it and making sure that it is effective and caters to the people. You know, yeah. so I feel like, you know, that's this year, this is my own point of view of that thing. Yeah, you know, man. just think about how the colonizers will have reported the arrival 
of you know the the so-called missionaries or the um this thing in their own country Honest. it's the yeah. same term yeah it's the same term let me let me before america comes in let me read another quote that kind of goes to that point uh, and then it will be, be interesting to hear america's response until the group of 13 arrived in nigeria so I, actually i guess there were 13 particular families that zimbabwean families that came and set up 13 farms in, in kwara state until the group of 13 arrived in Nigeria, the land they now farm was bush. There were a few scattered subsistence farms, no electricity, no mobile phone coverage. Three years later, Nigerian farmers have been moved to alternative land, moved to <laughs> with compensation moved. from the government. Boreholes have been drilled, some 13,000 hectares of land cleared, mobile phone coverage is in place, and each farm has a house with internet access, satellite TV, pretty gardens, pet dogs, and swimming pool. Though the farms have yet eh? to take profit. <laughs> 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 I knew, I knew it's a family. It's a family. But this is this is modern farming. I mean, can be whole and tractor and swimming pool? Uh, and cuddlers and swimming pool, pet dog. That is swimming pool. That is swimming pool. They want to use the irrigate the farm. And then we could finish out the quote. Hear what this guy says. He says, my projected wealth is more here in Nigeria than what I left behind, explains Evan Reed. So uh, before you come in, I mean, I just want to point to the irony of that fact that like these guys were kicked out ostensibly in Zimbabwe for dispossessing black farmers, you know, of ancestral land, only to come to Nigeria to be given ancestral land belonging to black farmers. Um, so, Emeka, how would you respond to that? I mean, I mean, I, I'm the guy who says that I want to give them benefit of doubt, right? But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, I have a nose for for so some of these things. So, I think, I mean, for me, if you ask me, yeah, I mean, think I think okay. One thing to note, you know, to start with is that part of this process, you know, and how it it. it, it he got kick-started was that Saraki, who was then governor of Kwara State, went and spoke to the British government, which suggests perhaps that some of these white farmers, Zimbabwean farmers, had, you know, links with Britain, you know, yeah, historically. Sure, sure yeah. Um, That's where a lot of white Zimbabweans uh, came from, right? Yeah. The so, um, when you think about, when you, of course, then start to think about the staggering sums, you know, that was sunk into all of that project. Yeah, you, 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 it, it makes sense to you why the narrative went thus, you know, and, and, and how they needed to drum up, you know, media boards, um, both local and international. Um, I mean, this was a time when Mugabe was running mad, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it just seemed that oh okay since Mugambe was kicking out you know white farmers from Zimbabwe uh, there were also blacks on the continent you know in countries who were looking to accept that you know so mm -hmm. um, imagine what that narrative would have done for potential investors right know, who, yeah 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 yeah. Who, who then also thought about, you know, but and of course, you at the end of this thing is these guys wanted to raise money, sure, and they wanted not just raise money, pump money into, and they needed to justify why they were going to pump. I mean, at the end of the day, when you do the math, you're looking at um, between the federal state government, the federal government of Nigeria, and then the Kwara state government at the time, 
these guys would have easily sunk anything, something close to $20 million in all of this yeah. you know, by the time they, yeah. were, they were done, mm. you, you, you know. Um, so, first of all, they needed to justify that, that kind of money. But it's also important to think about the Nigeria that was in 2003. Mm-hmm. You know, such that living in Lagos, I had no idea what was happening in Shonga, you know, in, in that region. There was no yeah. way to know. Okay. Um, and even those who knew in Ilori, for instance, didn't quite have the tools like social media today to amplify right. what they thought was going on. So you're so saying it was easier was to control the narrative? It was very easy to control. And then, to, to, I mean, of course, Shonga, the way they say that the communities involved, you know, sit by the bank of the region, River Niger in, in, on, along that axis, okay? Yeah. But it's also important to note that there was no electricity, there were no phones, there was nothing. Yeah, sure. You know? So this was happening deep in it. So information wasn't, was, even for Ilori, was just filtering out. So yeah. people even in, in the capital of Para, who would probably have raised an alarm didn't quite know what was really going on there. And then we needed, you know, pages of newspaper to fill in that void. And of course, um, who knows? So, so maybe when you think about the cost, you know, of resettling some of the farmers who were dispossessed, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and then the money we, you you know, we, we come on top down and with a no spend finish. That one day enough to run media, media, uh, to draw narratives, you know, in, in media to the effect that, you know, what, what was happening was the best thing, next yeah. best thing in Sardine. So, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. I, w- I would want to look at it. You, know, you, you yeah. needed investment, you needed, you even needed the federal government to buy into it at the time. You needed all sorts of people, bankers to come into, mm. you know, so you needed to hype the project. And yeah. one of the best ways to hype the project, <clears throat> you know, um, was to give the impression that you were bringing in investors. I think that's the biggest scam of all. The yeah, idea that really. they sold to it, that these white farmers, these white Zimbabwean farmers, were investors, whereas these guys didn't even have any money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. An invisible revolution in Quara, as one journalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but you know, to that question of money, I, I, and we were just starting to talk about the community relations that developed. So we'll get to that next. But since you raised the question of, quote unquote, investors, I think it's worth actually looking more specifically at the money that changed hands and the change hands and the actual nature of the investment that was made. Um, so, I mean, you know, some of the sources we, we were looking at, uh, including the Ralph Mustafa article that really goes into detail about this, uh, explain that even though these people were classified as investors, the agreement that led to this initiative taking off committed the Kwara state government to providing finance directly to the farms and to helping the farmers access other private sources of funds. So the government was supposed to provide the sum of $250,000 and a guarantee for a private sector loan of another $250,000 to each of the 13 farmers. So that's half a million dollars both in direct transfer from Quara state government bank account and in private sector loan guarantees for each of these farmers. You know, and the agreement was that the loan would be repaid between the third third and fifth year um, of operation. And as Emeka pointed out, that was within the life cycle of the administration that brought this into power. So 
you could see that, I mean, brought this into place. Uh, so you could see that there was a kind of electoral logic that also inspired this hierarchy government to pursue this. Um, but in addition to this, the government was also reported to have given the Zimbabwean farmers, um, that's the Acquire State governments, a total of $8.25 million in cash. Um, and then in addition to this... Uh, which, which is, sorry, let me just yeah. say, which is yeah. about $2 million above what, you, you know, the commitment... Right, the five hundred thousand dollar commit have a million dollar commitment. Right, each would have come up. So that would have come up. <laughs> nah, administrative fee. Administrative fee. So that just yeah, that just like falls in the cracks. Like no one can say exactly what happened to that two million. Um, administrative fee. Yeah, administrative fee. No, I just mustn't give it up. I must just grab this opportunity and make the most of it. <laughs> so, and then, in addition to this, the National Nigerian Agricultural Cooperative and Rural Development Bank offers these guys another $5 million, um, which was guaranteed by the Kwara State Government, um, you know, again, under the agreement that this would be paid back in a three to five year period from 2004, 2006, when these monies were initially given. Um, but by 2009, only 19% of the loans had been repaid. And some of the farmers at that point were already saying that they could no longer pay. Um, so it was interesting to see, you know, one of the quotes before you guys come in. Let me just read this quote from a central bank, um, Nigerian central bank and federal ministry of finance official who um, was telling the press. At the time we did this, we thought it was going to change agriculture. We are going to get mechanized. They will reduce poverty. We gave the money because we thought we were helping agriculture. We gave the money at 8% interest rate, and it's still 8%. At that time, banks were charging 25% on normal loans. Mm. We have kickstarted. regular the people. They should pay us back our money. <laughs> <laughs> Put in their bank. <laughs> so, so, I mean... Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, how would you guys... Things, how did I mean, you guys react to things, that when you were reading this stuff? Two things I want to chip in, right? Yeah. I mean, so that we just bring it up all in together. Yeah. This money that you have mentioned is different from, you know, um, 400 million naira. That's about 2.6 million US dollars that the Kwara State government invested in roads, farm roads. Right. And housing. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of infrastructure investment as well. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so each each of the thirteen bungalows that these farmers got came equipped, came with even generators, you know. So swimming pool. That, yeah. <laughs> now there was also an additional five point eight million USD mm. by the federal government for irrigation. Right, right. So federal, okay. there was state infrastructure. There was also federal infrastructure. Federal infrastructure. Money. There was yeah. an additional six point six million. That's about a billion dollar billion naira. You know, at the time, <laughs> gone in, yeah. That was, that was pro provided for that provided for electrification. Yeah. So all that Ivan Reed saying that in three years, you know, this this whole place had transformed. You know, as yeah. if it was anything that I mean, we're no. saying that this is Nigerian taxpayers' money to the tune of about fifteen million dollars. Yeah. This is apart apart from the five point. 8.25 that 8 you know, yeah. there now then the other thing to note is that at the time when all of this was happening and and, and once the farms even be, became operational 
how much were the Zimbabwean farmers paying laborers, mm. farm labor, mm. you know? Yeah. For, 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 a, for a day's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want, know, you to, so, I want you to hold that thought because we're yeah. going to get into the communal relations in a moment. And that is oh, okay. very much critical to, to that. But yeah, I mean, before we do, I just want to read one final quote um, from that period when um, the situation in, ter in terms of the, the extent of funding um, started to dawn on some of the Nigerian officials that were part of this. Um, so, so one Nigerian official, from government official from Kwara State, had this funny quote that I just have to read. He said, they did not come with any money. They came only with their suitcases, T-shirts, short knickers, and coats. <laughs> they are not employees of the state. Neither are they technical partners because the farms belong to them. The only definition we can find for them is refugees who have been given first-class rehabilitation. <laughs> Foreign employees inflow of capital and expertise. But this one has become outflow of scarce local resources. The Zambambians cannot be classified as foreign investors. I mean, I guess, okay, the thing I would caveat with that quote, although you can understand why this guy was that frustrated, is that the agreement did stipulate that the, the farmers um, had to incorporate their comp companies themselves with a share capital of $80,000. So that was their own contribution. They did, I think, contribute that amount of $80,000 to make sure that these companies were incorporated. Um, and then they allowed the companies to have Nigerian shareholders and such. So, I mean, I guess they now brought there, now the, other than the T-shirts. Now, the now that Nigerian shareholders, <laughs> that they're the cocoa dinner, where uh -huh. the matter Yeah. No, yeah, okay. So before we get back to how this thing went, you know, once the thing became productive, you were talking, America, already about the question of communal relations and, you know, the the amounts they paid um, Nigerian labor and, you know, the whole situation that this sparked off in that local community. So, yeah, what struck you guys about that and what, you know, what aspects of that kind of stood out to you? Uh, I mean, for me, real quick, if, uh, because I don't have much to say. I think for me, it's, it all boils down to still how news was suppressed. You know, mm. even when things were bad, um, you wouldn't have thought reading the news. And this, again, from memory, that, you know, there were issues with even pastoralists yeah. in, in that um, um, region. Or that, you know, at least two communities of the 28 never bought into this whole idea of Zimbabwean farmers, you know, building the farming, commercial farming community stronger. Yeah. You, you wouldn't have thought that there were disagreements. You wouldn't have thought that there was any rancor between communities who, who said that they had ancestral claims to the land, mm -hmm. you know, as distinct from the emir of Shonga himself. You All of this didn't quite pop up. I mean, if it did, then it was, you know, just, you know, um, in whistles, you know, perhaps, but mm -hmm. for me, all of that, you know, to find out now is, and that, that it was hushed for me is, is um, it's, it's not surprising, but it's, mm. I think that that's, that's, that's where the juice for me is. I mean, yeah. I know, for, for instance, that, I mean, um, there's, there's also that, that predatory nature of capitalism, you know, which would explain why, uh, 
labor wages were being charged at, in fact, maybe less than half of what you know a, day, a day's wage would be in in, in Lorry. No, literally that. Yeah. It was literally half. Uh, That's a, yeah. People were literally yeah, like, half of what they would have. Yeah, paid 250. Yeah, 250 yeah. naira per day or something. 250 yeah, naira then, rather than 500 yeah. naira for unskilled labor. Mean, yeah, meanwhile, these guys don't pocket half a million dollars. Half yeah. a million yeah. dollars. <laughs> and, then they shell, and then they shell them out one one dollar per day. As yeah. As, okay, Nigeria has not a fit past one dollar per day. So now waiting their need. Yeah, the labor is uh, the labor is abundant and very willing to work. No, it's it's very ideal here. I mean that 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 whole um, capital labor relationship, of course, we that's that's our bread and butter. So that's not something that I want. <laughs> but it's, it's just that how you know me, media suppression of what was going on, and 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 at the same time, what Saraki himself and his government was doing each time, you know, in in order to wade into this. Um, yeah grievances even in, in parts where they even have to go and round up quote and unquote real leaders of the dissenters yeah in, in some some communities you know yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and how some of them actually did organize and filed lawsuits i mean i think that that's 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 a, one of one of the shining points of that this story is that yeah, yeah. Um, some some actually people took some people actually took the state government court you know what yeah. what became of that we couldn't quite find out, you know, except, you know, maybe we'll go and do that digging. But yeah, yeah, I think that that's for me, when I think about that, the relationship, you know, that the communal relationship. And of course, um, the people who at the time when they saw electricity and saw, you know, and got full oh, yeah. coverage, thought, yeah. thought, oh, okay, this is heaven. You this know, is development. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, uh, but of course, even, even with, the re- relocation of, of farms or or farm family um, farm holders, small farm holders rather, mm. you know, you you you'd see that there were people who also didn't even take that money for relocation. You yeah, know, they, they felt that they were insulted by it. Yeah, yeah. So it, except it's funny what what politicized the whole thing, right? Yeah, and then again, I think it's also important that you know to note that perhaps this story hasn't even been told in. in in, in full, especially mm-hmm. not from the view of those who are at the receiving end, you know, yeah. the labor hands, the communities themselves. It'll be, it'll be pleasant, you know, to, to hear that their own stories uh, about that period and even now, you know, what, what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's quite crucial um, on top of what Emeka said. So look at, okay, yeah, the social relations, look at the whole food system mm. they also affected grazing grazing communities yeah aside farmers to grazing communities were affected secondly no transfer of skill at all right yeah <laughs> which was which was initially part of the agreement they were supposed to actually like, kind of skill so training. you yeah. know like no transfer of skill at all and then no that one they don't put them there make it get social social just get social yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> i don't think i don't think anyone took that seriously right like they're gonna they're gonna train competitors in the local right. economy Dude, that's that's yeah, like, so me say waiting they can oh put down by side again access to like credit facilities for indigenous farmers like local farmers and all you know why the state puts its full chests behind some kind of vagabonds where you come from like another place, you know, but <laughs> it, to just help your people with money, 
yeah. we had, you know, yeah, there are a lot of factors to look at when it comes to that. But like, you know, you see that some kind subsidization of all these things, like to a large extent, I waiting to keep the project afloat. Yes. And nobody say these people be genius or anything like that, you know. So right. we must look at the state being the the the, the person that wipes the stain off the people's butts, this this or in both people's butts. Mm. And it's time where they fuck up, be it in private uh, sector, PPP, whatever way they do or anything. Like look at their trail of nonsense where they do around that. It is the states that comes and come and clean up after them. And yeah. you know, the people taxpayers' money just go down the drain for people for their own swimming pool in agricultural setting and all, you know. So, but the lasting effect on communities in terms of the you know this this dispossession of people, you know, time wastage, land grabbing, money exchanging hands, uh, no transfer of skill, like you know, these things you just set the people back, you know, and you know, yeah. I think it's unfair, yeah. No, I mean, thirteen thousand hectares of land, twenty-five, yeah. twenty-five year lease. Mm, That's what damn. it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, and to your point about the state putting its putting its chest behind it, I mean, the other thing that really struck me about the nature of state investment here was that they also set up a new police station for these guys. Ah, <laughs> yes, see, I gave them, you know, like. Solid equipment, two generators, 15 motorcycles, 10 mobile phones, you know, monthly so that when, costs. So that when indigenous people want to protest that you've exactly. stolen their land, you can use state power. No, 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 part of the state commitment, they did yeah. yeah. so, yeah, yeah, that. They must provide security. What strikes me the most is that, wait a minute, the Nigerian state can actually mobilize substantial amounts of capital, organization, infrastructure, at, at moments like this, but hardly ever anywhere else, right? You know, so, so, yeah. I mean, so it's the class components that makes them do that. Like, you know, some kind of millions of dollars into mm. appropriation of money, as the maker don't rightly point out. You don't the exchange hands already, the $2 million. Have you have much of talk, say, from that $40 million where they won't share? You know, attire for Professor Saido, where money did you share? You say, they go mobilize, they'll prevent anything, they'll go fuck the setting up, you know. So, no, but the thing is, that, you know, there is this, it's not like they, they don't pass budgets yearly, it's not like there's no appropriation, you know, but like they will almost lead you to believe that the state can actually not deliver services. So it's striking to see a situation like this where the state actually rapidly mobilizes to deliver multifaceted kinds of service from relocation to irrigation to security to mobilizing private capital. You know, this is a, you know, it's a, it's, it's quite an intensive example of state capacity. This same free market plutocracy, by the way, isn't so free market when it comes to themselves. While they preach to you the virtues of self-reliance, stop going to the government for a handout. Rely on yourself and your own efforts. They themselves got their hands in the public treasury, right? I mean, they've got their arms right up to their elbows in the public treasury. They themselves get equity subsidies from the federal government. They get loan guarantees. They get export subsidies. They get research and development assistance. They get production loss compensations. They get bailouts. No, no, no. no. I think what had happened <laughs> was that, no, but let's, let's stop there. There's no private anything anywhere. 
This was state funds. No, sure. Right? Mm. Um, consortium or no consortium of banks, what, how much they bring you, you, you when, yeah. when you look out? They're not bring, yeah. So maybe we should start delving into the scam itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, nah. think so. I think so. I mean, I this think guys, yeah. No, just take this it away. Guys, so, yeah, what, this what aspect bring, of this strikes you then most profoundly as, as, as you know, I guess consistent with or evoking this kind of theme of the scam that we've been we've been playing with, brother? I mean, this was state funds, the yeah. bulk of it. I'm saying over three quarters of it, right? Yeah, sunk into this project was taxpayers' money, either at the state level or at the federal government level. What these guys brought, so if, if you if you if you put this project at twenty million dollars, all that the Zimbabwean farmers, thirteen of them families brought to the table collectively was a million forty thousand dollars. That's yeah. all to incorporate companies and eighty thousand for shareholding. Right. Right. So this is not there's no private anything here. This is just plain taken from yeah. states. No, no, this is, so so this is it. When they're incorporating and then for their shareholders. We, okay, we no, but hang on, explain. hang on. So that's that's the initial amount they all brought, right? Mm. But mm. but if I'm understanding the story correctly, at a certain stage, because this is around 2000, between 2003, 2006, when the thing was properly getting set up. But by 2008, those initial funds were starting to dry up, actually. And these guys had still not become profitable or productive. And actually, at mm. that point... The governor Saraki tapped some of his own contacts from the banking industry, where you know his family is mm -hmm. notoriously has a lot of investments, to bring in another six point six million dollars. So, the consortium of five leading Nigerian banks invested one billion naira, which at the time was six point six million dollars, as equity in the farms. Mm. You know, so. That's what I mean when I was talking about mobilizing private capital. But I suppose we hadn't quite. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you see, that, that's the thing. Yeah. You, you know, so so Saraki is mobilizing private capital. Yeah, sure. Right. As as what? As investment, you, you know, in the business. Uh, yeah. So because that's that's for me is where the scam really is. If if we're going, to be, I mean, for people who have the tools to go and dig these things up, I mm. don't, for instance, believe that. There were no Nigerian shareholders at the point of incorporating those. I mean, because each family Initially. incorporated, yeah, 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 yeah incorporated yeah, yeah. its own. And then for that um, private capital that you were talking about or that you just spoke about, mm -hmm. they now had, they, they now needed a vehicle which would yeah. become stronger farm holdings yeah. to access. It's beef. You know, now, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Now it's it's within Shonga Farm Holding itself that you then have shareholdings. Yeah. Okay. So where, this is the point where the banks brought the money, they incorporated. Well, this is where, eh, because it's by that time now, now they want to be not on legal entity. Yeah. Now they want share money. Now they want share money. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, what's the rationale for? The Zimbabwean farmers who had only put a million forty thousand dollars yeah. on the table to then have access to forty percent 
shares, shares within yeah, 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 yeah. the stronger farm holding. Yeah. No, so I want to talk about that ownership structure just now. I mean, so just to clarify, right? Um, so the banks brought money, state government brought money, federal, and at the end they formed some consortium with these Zimbabwean farmers. And somehow how the ownership structure got allocated is that 45% of the farms were owned by, oh no, the banks owned 45% of the farms. 5%. The yeah, Zimbabweans the and the state government, despite all its money, owned only 15% of the farms. And then the Zimbabweans got to hold 40% of the farms. It's like, uh, what was all this money leading to? You know, okay, the banks at least got some share of it. But then the Zimbabweans still had, in a sense, you know, after the banks, the larger share with the state government falling so far behind despite all the money it invested. So you're like, what are these guys thinking? I don't have to look at all the dispossession, everything where they don't, yeah. where they don't grab already on yeah. top of that, just free grabbing. You can't, can't get you ownership, it? legalized, you know, you uh, incorporated ownership. Mm. That's still, you know, that's how they steal. That's how you chase people off indigenous land in Lagos and build down the refinery and call it The people will set up this particular scam they get they get share inside the consortium of banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only way this yes. makes sense. That's the only way this makes sense. Is that's it, the thing, man. Is, the is, these guys home. were chopping in each of those shares, right? And and that that yeah. that that seems likely because the, the families that were I mean the Saraki family notoriously has huge banking interests. The Ahmed government so being chopped uh, society general society exactly. general bank society general bank um that used yeah. to be here was you know when it was quote unquote indigenized I guess it's a French bank right? <laughs> this family took it over so they have substantial banking interests they also were running the state government and the forty percent share that the Zimbabweans held was previously incorporated right and had like public some measure of Nigerian um investment in that share itself so you can see a scenario where i mean it was rumored people, it was rumored yeah. to to be that you know even yeah, though right. we can't i mean th those those are the fronts you know so no, sure. companies that we don't we don't know who who actually owns and what the now shares yes that yeah yeah no but i mean you know it, it's not so unimaginable a leap to say that there's a decent likelihood <laughs> That these people set the, all of these various this ownership structure up and all of these various shareholdings to seem like it was various different people, but in fact they were dipping their hands in the till in all of these different cookie uh, cookie jars exactly in all of these different buckets. So I mean, I guess yeah. as we try to wrap up the conversation and kind of come towards some longer term perspective about what happened here, it goes without saying that a lot of these businesses didn't really generate a profit ultimately, right? I mean, there were three different kinds of buckets of agricultural enterprise that kicked off here. One was focused on milk. The other was a kind of mixed farming uh, model. Mixed farm cash crops. Farm Mi crops mixed cash mean. crops, exactly. And then the last was poultry. Um, and looking at the story now, which um, you, know, you can still kind of see in the news, basically nine out of 13 of those farms failed. And the ones that failed were particularly in the mixed cash crop kind of enclave and the dairy enclave. So the only one that 
seems to have survived. I mean, Ultra. I how profitable it is, but at least it continues to survive is the poultry aspect. So it means that today you can still probably buy chickens in the grocery store somewhere or, you know, at some so in Shunga. That, 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 that still comes from these farms. But I mean, the irony in that for me is that like, that's the, that's the aspect of Nigerian agriculture that was probably most advanced and least needing any kind, this level of investment. I mean, to put it in other terms, they lots, didn't come to do anything new. <laughs> lots of people have poultry here, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the sort of poultry sector is already fairly advanced. So, and that's probably why that one survived is that there really is already an established market, you know, and you're not doing very much that's new. Whereas, you know, trying to do commercial milk farming and this mixed cash crop thing was probably less likely to survive without a constant inflow of funds from the state and banking sector and the federal government, which eventually dried up when the government that brought them into, into the state faced, you know, political challenges, left office and couldn't sustain this initiative. So, I mean, as we kind of think about the long-term, you know, like trajectory of this project and try to bring the conversation to a close, I mean, just, you know, in initial terms, what do you guys think is the kind of legacy of, of this project since then? I mean, what what became of this, you know, in or how do you, how did you kind of process the outcome of these initiatives as you were reading it? And, you know, what, what does this tell us really about how the state operates here, um, you know, in circumstances like this? Yeah, I mean, I think, let me just take a quick stab at this one. Um, yeah. I think that it's important to, to, to say or mention that, I mean, of the enclaves that didn't succeed, so the, mm. the milk enclave um, and, and the mixed farm crop, the reason was that um, for the milk enclave, the off-takers at some point backed out. Yeah. We don't know why, right? Um, for the meat farm crops or ca cash crops, what had something to do with federal government reneging on its promise to uh, I think it was irrigation irrigation demands, right? Right, uh, which they provided but course, initially, we, but they just which, which was which was provided initially. So you then begin you then begin to wonder, right? Yeah. Um, but. You know, for, for those who are interested in political economy here, I think that what's important to note is that you, you, you need to pay attention to the timeline. When mm. when these this loans were structured, repayment plans, what time frames that they thought that they would have paid this up, and how someone like Saraki, whose brainchild this is, must have imagined um, himself as... Mm -hmm. In relation to to the to the state quarites, you you know, yeah. Um, was this some kind of state capture? You know, did he think that you know, like he 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 was another Tinubu in in the Lagos sense, you know, and, <laughs> and that power would always have you know stuck? Because I think, I mean, what I'm driving at here is that in all the places where this has succeeded, especially in Zimbabwe, yeah, um, it, it's it takes 
constant support of the state exactly for it to become successful exactly it's it's and it's not it's not it's not a it's not a sprint it's a marathon yes okay so the issues that arose with this in my mind would be um would seem to start with even while Saraki was still um, a big shot, even in, in Kwara state politics, and, and that's yeah. no longer the case, as as, you, as we all know. Yeah. Um, is that the federal government, for whatever reason, you might put the time with when Saraki started to have issues with Jonathan administration. I don't know. Right. You, they, they couldn't. They couldn't get the irrigation plants. You know going so that must have affected business right somewhere. so basically they stopped getting yeah. subsidized water yes yeah, so, so stop getting subsidized basically so there's there's no how that you think about it and that you run away from tying it into politics mm -hmm. because even now that it's back in the news somewhat yeah it's in the news because the present the current um state government which is abc led Mm -hmm. has now accused the Saraki-led government, PDP-led government of the time and its predecessors of scam. In yeah. fact, that's so this is not us manufacturing it. I mean, <laughs> these guys are being accused of, of scam. And, and Nadem Tokam. Yeah, yeah Nadem used the amount of Tokam. And then when, when you think about it, the way Nigeria works, you know, I think we, we can almost take it for granted that, okay, the, the guys in the APC government now are looking at that. We don't know how they structure this, their own scam. Yeah. We don't know yeah. who they benefit from. Them. We don't find who they benefit. So you don't even get people where we feel negotiate with our own gyro, our own court. Right. You understand? So, I mean, the best thing to do is to discontinue this. You know, and that discontinuance is what we have seen. You know, So it would be good to get some dates to... When did the nine people, the nine farmers, farming, yeah. farming families exit? You know, who did they sell to? And some of these things are wrapped in, in, in you know, they're being hushed. So we, we don't begin. But I, I think intuitively, you already know that somebody somewhere don't structure this thing, don't benefit from even the exit of the nine Zimbabwean farmers. Yeah. It's also important right. to note that of the consortium of five banks, now only three sell their debts to Upcom, yeah, Upcom. yeah, the asset management you know, company of Nigeria, which is yeah, into the situation, which has now gone to recover, <laughs> which has now gone to recover its debt yeah. from the state component with only fifteen percent of the. Of the yeah, so this is what, this is what's verifying. I think I think you know I I should probably phrase the question clearer, which brings out the aspect that you're just talking about. So, as I yeah. said, you know the the nine out of. 13 of these funds, so the majority of them um, were ultimately folded up, basically, and, and sold. But it's not clear who they sold to and at what cost and where the money came from or went after that. And, I mean, I think that probably requires a bit more journalistic digging. Um, mm. But just from the sources we were able to consult to get a sense of what had happened, it was very unclear um, what that transaction had actually amounted to. What has happened after the fact, though, is that the Kwara State government, now led by the party that was at the time in opposition, is now liable to pay what's left of that debt um, 
which is absurd given that the government only had a 15% shareholding was you know had the minority of, of shareholding in 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 that kind of ownership structure that we spelled out a moment ago and as a result of this the federal asset management company in Nigeria has now stepped in and is seizing the properties of the Kwara state government including properties in Abuja and such so despite they no really need yeah well, I mean, you know, why do they have, <laughs> why do they have those properties to begin with? I mean, one could argue. So, but despite, despite the tremendous amount of money poured into this thing, not only does it not become viable, the state is left holding the bag when the private partner, in quotes, cannot... Guns cut free, yeah. yeah cannot essentially. hold its part of the bargain, you know? So I just want you guys to react in, in a little bit to this kind of outcome? Like, what does this tell us more generally about the nature of these sorts of public-private arrangements or this kind of scam? I mean, what kind of scam is this? Is this one where people have just conspired to fleece the state in a very old-school way? Or is this something a little more interesting and weird, you know, that we need to kind of pay a particular kind of attention to? Yeah, so what we see, as with every other scam, is that it is woven into the arrangement for the state, essentially the people, taxpayers, to clean up the mess after these people have taken their money mm -hmm. and exited. Mm -hmm. So the ruling class make a mess of it with their foreign collaborators, and it's left to the people to keep, you know, to look after the basic or the debt where these people don't put on top of the you know, indigenous or people of Kwara State or wherever they live. This reminds me of like, you know, the some programs where we say some kind of states governments they do like with CLI. If you look CLI, clean out the gods initiative with them to do them body time. Mm -hmm. Now the same thing, the states guaranteed CLI, the thing flopped, and I think Lagos was left to pay like eight hundred million or something. I don't know. Like out of tax we have money. This is a now their normal modus operandi. No, 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 no problem. Triple fifty. Uh, see, you uh, see, like so that's the thing, like they <laughs> Yeah. The, the the side effect of their malfeasance, the side effect of their profiteering, the side effect of their dispossession of people, the side effect of the of the um while away they cost for communities and all everything, the diseconomies of their arrangement is pushed upon the people, and that is, has always been a constant theme of waiting that they do, regardless mm -hmm. of if they start right or not. It is woven into the system such that the cream of the enjoyment. Now them with swimming pool, nice house, nice everything. But bad labor to capital interaction. Now on top of the people you go day, dispossession yeah. of land, now on top of the people you go day, you know, go pay them well, you know, go transfer yeah. any skill, Communal you know, classes. go get anything there. and everything will come fail. And the people always they are left to clean up the mess. So whatever it is, and however I want to look at it, the constant theme is always that it's the people that clean up the mess and it is yeah. woven into the system. That's you know you know what i see about it yeah yeah Mecca, how do you see it man yeah well how do i see it i think the most obvious one is that it i mean some of the best best you know, orchestrated scams in in nigeria under the so-called public private partnership framework mm -hmm. Can, can last 20 years. I mean, that's, that's how I see it. Because, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the guys, the guys, you see, you see the consortium of banks, we sell their debts 
to Amcon. They are fine. She, they're all right. So now, yeah. now they go. Now then they go recover the debt. So who they pay for them? Now people of Kwara State. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that this 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 is just one of those examples that you know, us to want to think about. You know how we interact with you know so national government in states where we come from yeah. or states where where we reside you yeah. know more more like where we reside you know and and that we we also need to begin to scrutinize and critique this whole idea of public i mean the way this one was structured it was called was debt equity structure yeah you know some kind of public private partnership yeah but, very much i so. mean you, you struggle to see where the private enter the matter. Yes. You know, because yeah. it, it's it's more sinking public funds into what is supposed to be a private, which, which into what they what is known to be a private, well, which, it, 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 I mean, it's even, because you, the Quara people, where they talk earlier on, they talk, say, this thing is now our own thing. It's supposed to be our own thing. When you look, how can the state government sink at least 12 million 13 million dollars into something and then you, and you it remains you, private now only 15 now only 15 percent you get the meanwhile yeah. the people where they chop the money now the, the so-called so and then okay inside this whole money quora state is still paying federal government to yeah you know uh, from their location so yeah federal so just like what you saying yeah yeah the people where they the people where they where this thing they affect now the, you know you i don't the, the Quara State taxpayer. Yeah. You, you, you know, and, and and it's a good thing. Maybe they've chased Saraki out for good. Mm. You know, and anything we get we get to do with whatever they call them. <laughs> so, you know, they don't pursue them. You know, and, and this is how I think people like that should be treated. Yeah. You know, because you don't, you don't impoverish your states to enrich some cronies. You, you know, and then still lay claim to some political godfatherism, you know, mm. at, at the state level. You know, and, and this is not just, I mean, so this is not me piling. This is not just Saraki. You can find this all, there's no state in Nigeria that you go to, you won't find, you know. Absolutely. In Inugu, you will find it in, you know, and so some of these properties, you know, end up seized and all of that. But it, 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 I think it, it should force us to think really about development at state level yeah. and what these guys are doing with monies, you know, what kinds of projects, you know, how they have structured payment because nativery, now broad, now, I mean, how else do you define it? Broad yeah. day robbery, you know, the, in your face and they've done this over 20 years, you know, so they don't play the, the they played the long game, you know, it took them maybe five, six years to bring the investments together at state level with laws to back it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Give them another four three three, four years to get private funding so as as yardstick or as as in short that's not just the icing of the cake. So that they go fit claim the money. You you know, go and fund this project. It might not work, it might work. And either way they were not gonna lose. If it worked, they would have been earning, they'll be skimming the profits off it. If it didn't oh, work, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, they don't they guaranteed by the state already. Yes, yes. for their loss. Yeah, 
the state don't guarantee them. So now the yeah. state, the state will get only 15%. So where you won't even see the white farmers. They don't yeah. feel around. <laughs> long they deal. Don't yes. They probably moved on to their next miracle. Um, yes. Or virgin, you know, virgin land. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next bush to clear. I'm mean, looking well, to land time, grabs. So by the time they left, they will go and market themselves as a success in Shangao, in Kwara. Yeah, exactly. That's how they exactly. said that they were successful. That's the brilliance of this whole thing. I mean, okay, so for me, in terms of my own final thoughts, I guess I, I, I think about these two ways, or, or this leaves kind of two impressions on me, you know, related um, to what you guys have said. The first is that, for me, this really reveals Nigeria's role on the international level in Africa as a very obvious right-wing actor, so to speak, you know, in the African <laughs> kind of international terrain, because... I mean, I'm not saying that I agree with the fast-track land reform in Zimbabwe, but you can see where Southern Africans are coming from and fighting this liberation struggle and having such a complicated relationship with white farmers, you know, settled on ancestral land in their countryside. Mm -hmm. So for Nigeria, as supposedly the giant of Africa, and from the perspectives of some clowns that uh, we engage with on Twitter, it's sort of a radical African country. Why we'll give them we, warm embrace. Why are we embracing these people and bringing these people here to dispossess our own indigenous people? It just goes to show that in a continent where there were African socialist governments, when there were African Marxist-inspired liberation struggles that took power, Nigeria, unfortunately, stands out as one of the far-right or at least right-wing examples of the so-called post-colonial state. And I think no example of that tells that story more clearly than our importation of white Zimbabwean farmers. Um, and then secondly, I think that more broadly, as we think about the scam in Nigeria, you know, to the point that you've both made, it's clear that the scam has evolved, even from the cement armada to this episode of um, the white Zimbabwean, um, you know, situation. You can see that we've moved from a situation of outright predation or outright theft, you know, these kinds of two-bit schemes of people basically transferring state funds to their bank accounts or getting cheap kickbacks. I mean, obviously, that was still a part of this. To something a little more complex, you know, where there are... More nuanced. Yeah, more nuanced, where there are clear... There are some kinds of developmental objectives that are woven into it. And there's the possibility that you actually have some kind of investment or initiative be an outcome of it but it's still fundamentally flawed because of the way in which it sees society as the adversary you know and sees as OEG was saying at the start the external world or um you know the outside as the source of innovation or liberation you know or any sort of social transformation so to me I think this goes to show that, you know, this, despite this not being the most expensive scam that we've seen in Nigerian history, it might not also have been the most elaborate scam, um, but it's certainly one of the weirdest ones. And I think from that standpoint, deserved its own episode. Yeah, its own um, place in the, uh, in the Hall of Fame. In the Scam Hall of Fame, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want to add briefly that, you know, the more the political class morphed into, you know, being capitalistic in you know almost its real sense because they're still pseudo elites they try to have the trappings of you know, them wanting to do stuff then you know go and float limited liability company go and float 
your own SPV so that the theft will not be as blatant, as primitive, right. as outright, you know, stealing. So all these things that we're seeing is just that the Nigerian elites have, you know, they've kind of matured into perfecting their own form of scam and then giving mm -hmm. it some sort of topping that makes it look as if they're about to do something whereas they just float companies you know and then because if, if it's not that then how would you explain that 15 percent yeah and giving the farmers 40 you're like look you just wanted to steal and you didn't want to steal <laughs> outrightly so you just floated companies to just do your mago mago yeah you know so that's yeah. it yeah but me i think that i mean it, this also gives us um provides impetus for us to think about how we want to deal with the the agricultural sector in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, it, it's also worth mentioning that um, the flip side of what Saraki tried to do, um, as Saeed reminds me, starts with the Ancobs Boras program, CBN Ancobs, start, starts with um, mm. Good Luck, Jonathan, Jonathan. pushed more forcefully and fiercely by the Buhari administration, yeah. which is on paper a reverse of what Saraki tried to do with commercial farming, and this time you know the focus is on smallholder farming. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also it's, I, I'm not sure that it's as waterproof. Maybe the scam wouldn't get this kind of witty um, scam in that on that side of the divide. You know, but I think what's clear is that we haven't even found a way to make agricultural work. Yeah. You know, yeah. Reduce reduce imports, um, scale up exports, and then feed ourselves. So part of all of these things that they are saying now, I have not eaten any shonga chicken or egg. I don't think so. It's beyond Quara. I can't even find it on the streets of Lagos. I can't find yeah. it in the streets of Calabar. You know, or in Enugu, you know, these are these are places where I hope not. It's not in Abuja either, as far as I can tell. <laughs> you, you know, so I mean, so what's the point? You know, so you have what thirteen thousand hectares of land, and Nigeria can't it's not, fill, not, yeah. fill fill your production. You know, and and yeah, to speak to what Oegis just talked about, you you get the feeling that you know these things are you you know premeditated, you know, because. Even though I haven't gotten into the nitty gritty, I, I was reading some headlines. So I think something I noticed on Twitter where uh, Nigeria is re some debts when Nigerian government incurred, they don't change them to bonds or something. You know, I mean, all sorts yeah. of things we we personally don't even understand. We, <laughs> we, 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 we you are, now we go now they pay for all these things. It's, yeah, it's so, crazy, man. Yeah, just prioritizing the national debt really because now yeah. them. Go borrow themselves, they at least go borrow themselves the money again at high interest mm. rates, and then we go just they service them for them. So they could just go buy bond coupons and they could collect money on top of well, really big. And they've stolen the money, you know. So <laughs> that's the yeah. game for them. Well, I mean, if our scams are getting that elaborate, then maybe we're quote unquote developing, you know, maybe that's what they're yeah, no, the warped that's the warped yeah. form of development. From all, from the days of advanced fee fraud, yeah, where did they, they, they throw mm, letters one night. To, mm. to emails with all with... indeed. Well, maybe that's yeah, what they Maybe that's what the yeah, yeah, boy no need laptop again now. Uh -huh. there's, a, there's, a back, there's a back and forth interaction between the guys on top and the one below. Uh -huh. So, government they do their own on top, 
the people where they yeah. below they do down. So yeah, just opposite sides. There'll be two sides of of that coin. Well, I suppose we can leave it there for today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.